We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here for the Field of 60. Today, we are bringing you another episode in our Off the Carousel series, where we will be joined by each and every new head coach to the Division One ranks. There are almost 60 of them. We're going to be rolling these out a couple of days throughout the month of May and the month of June. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you like this interview, don't be afraid to tap that like button. That stuff really does help our channel and help our presence on YouTube. It helps more people like you find this content. And since I have you guys here, make sure that you check out our Instagram and TikTok pages. We are going to be pumping out more unique content over there throughout the summer heading into next season. Like, for example, did you know that Penny Hardaway was shot when he was a player in college? I bet you didn't know that. There are more stories like that on those pages. The links are in the description below. So now, without further ado, let's get into another edition of Off the Carousel. Field of 68, and on today's episode of Off the Carousel, I am joined by the new Citadel basketball coach, Ed Conroy. And even though he's a new coach, he technically is a familiar face for Citadel fans. But how are you doing, coach? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to be great to be back in Charleston. Great to be back in the Citadel. Yeah, for those watching uh, who might not know this, this is actually Coach Conroy's second stint at the Citadel, where he graduated from. So I'm sure you're excited to, to, to be back in Charleston after a couple assistant coaches coaching gigs over the years. But really the first question I wanted to ask was, Coach, how would you describe your emotions heading back to your alma mater for a second tenure? Oh, uh, well, you know, I, the, the amount of people, you know, texting and calling, um, it really made really, you know, you felt humbled. You felt blessed that uh, this is the third time that uh, the Citadel has been gracious enough to, to ask me to come and, and, and join the ranks, if you will, you know, as a, as a player and now twice as a coach. Um, and the people here have just, I knew it. I knew it back when I came down here on a, on a recruiting visit. Um, I really wasn't sure if this was going to be the place for me. And, and when I was a player, a senior in high school, but I just felt like, like, wow, those people, were really genuine and I felt like they would take care of me um, the rest of my life. And, you know, we always talk about the, you know, the, and probably wear out the phrase like a 40 year decision and, and things like that. Um, but really I felt it. Um, and I'm glad I was wise enough when I was 18 years old to feel it, but uh, I really did. I felt like these, these, these people would really take care of me. It started with coach Les Robinson and his staff 
uh, Randy Nesbitt, Richard Johnson, um, right on down to the players. Uh, John Hartwell, who's an AD now at Utah State, uh, Regent Truesdale, who was a great player here. You know, those guys, my visit couldn't have gone better. And I just felt that connection. And here it is, um, you know, years later, uh, not only did I, you know, enjoy my playing career here, but they've asked me back twice to be the head coach and just really humbled, really humbled, but, uh, and feel very blessed to not only be back, but to know the people that are here at the Citadel and have them a part of my life. Yeah, that's great. How, how, how would you say this process sort of unfolded with coming back a second time? I would, I would guess it probably would have been an easy decision to make, but can you give a little more detail into how the whole process went down? Well, it was, it was, it was pretty quick um, because I was really locked in on, on Vanderbilt. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been, again, very fortunate in the places I've been, the people that I've been able to work with. Uh, but this past year um, at Vanderbilt with Jerry Stackhouse and, um, you know, what, what Coach is doing there with when his staff that he's assembled, um, you know, uh, the, the athletic department, uh, you know, Candace Lee and, and just how, what she's doing there. It, it was just a really good place to be uh, and one that I enjoyed immensely. And then I, you know, I had a chance to be on staff and coach, uh, you know, my nephew, uh, Liam Robbins, and, and my, my son was a GA on the staff. So, and a lot of guys that I'd worked with before. So just a, a really, really fun year. And I was locked in. Like, we, you know, we, I wanted to win that NIT. We finished strong and we were playing good basketball at the end of the year because we were finally healthy. Um, and then when that ended, um, you know, I, I, I talked to the Citadel, you know, about uh, the possibility of coming back. And um, it just, uh, as much as I hated to leave Vanderbilt, um, you know, I, it just felt right. The timing felt right for me and my family. And uh, obviously I love this place. And uh, I want to I see how far we can take it. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, that strong close to the end of the season by Vanderbilt. Y'all are playing some great ball in the SEC tournament. And I'm a big Stackhouse fan, so hoping to see him succeed down there in Nashville. But glad that you and your family are able to make this decision to come back and get down to Charleston and be at your alma mater. And talking to your SID, Dan Graham, he seems like he's doing a great job. But he says the, the campus is buzzing to have you back. There's a lot of excitement to have you back at, at, as the head coach of the Citadel. Uh, but even looking back beyond this head coaching position, I was also curious how you first even got into coaching. Uh, I know that you were the achieved the highest military rank of any basketball player at the Citadel. What was that process of going from coming out? I'm, I'm assuming as a ready to be an officer, but then transitioning into coaching. Well, I, I was fortunate. I had some some options coming out and, and um, I knew um you know, I, I had suffered a, a pretty serious injury in high school and kind of made the decision at that time that, man, if I could, the longer as I can stay around athletics and sports, um, I'd be really happy and was fortunate to get healthy enough again where I could play Division One basketball. Um, but then when I was getting ready to graduate, um, you know, uh, my father had, a, had had his own business in the Midwest. So that was, I was, I was thinking about that. And again, being with family, I uh, got a, some incredible job offers, uh, one of which from IBM, which I accepted. Um, but I'd also talked to some people about being a graduate assistant and things like that. So I was, I was kind of torn which way to go. Um, and I just thought the IBM offer was too good to pass up. I thought I really wanted to find out if that was, if I could live without basketball, if you would, if you will. And I had a great couple of years there and learned a ton. Um, and Big Blue was rolling back then. So it was a good time to be there. And their training program was fantastic. And um, I was, you know, had my own territory in, in Chicago and, you know, it, it was going really well. And then I was in the office one day and, um, you know, I, I'm probably the most fortunate uh, coach out there. You know, it was, a, it was a, just a lightning bolt. Uh, 
Coach Les Robinson, the guy who had recruited me to play at the Citadel, uh, who I never got to play for. He uh, he jokes a lot that uh, after he you know he signed me, uh, but then once he saw me play, he got out of town as fast as he could. So he never actually coached me in the game. Uh, I learned my first lesson in coaching at that time uh, that it's about uh, it's about the players because he went to East Tennessee State and they had a point guard named Keith Mister Jennings uh, who was really good and. Um, I, uh, coach Robinson made the right trade. <laughs> he, he traded me for, for, for Mr. Jennings. And that was a good trade to make and, uh, kind of catapulted his career, uh, to where they got to the NCAA tournament. And then he got the NC state job. Um, I was in, in the office one day at, uh, IBM and, uh, the phone rang, getting ready to go on a sales call. Coach Robinson was on the other line and, um, we had kind of reconnected at the final four in Denver a little bit. And, uh, he just said, he said, how much money are you making? And then I told him, and then everything kind of went silent for a while. <laughs> and he said, well, I got a feeling you're going to take the offer I'm about to give you, but you're not going to make that kind of money for a long time, you know? And, um, and uh, sure enough, he, he offered me a position to be the, basically the youngest assistant in the ACC and uh, with the, with the Wolfpack. And I was off to Raleigh uh, that next week. So kind of a crazy uh, turn of events, but uh, one, again, again, I'm very, I'm very blessed and, and really grateful for, and that turned into a, an odyssey of I've been at 12 different schools and traveled all over the country coaching and following my passion, my dream. Yeah. I mean, even though I'm a UNC fan, I'm glad he got you back out to the Carolinas. This is God's country out here. So, and I know you, you've had quite the journey since then serving as an assistant, working at a, a D2 or your first head coaching job at a D2 school and looks like betting on yourself to, to go back to the assistant ranks and eventually to the Citadel for was it 2006 through 2009 when you were there the first time? Yeah, 2006 through 2010, the 9-10 season, yep. So. Okay, and I know that uh, in 2009 you coached the Citadel to its most successful season in program history, achieving 20 wins, I think something, 10 straight wins in there somewhere, but what, what would you say your vision is to bring the Citadel back to that spot where it's going to contend for the SOCON? Well, it's just, it, it, it's kind of that, uh, it's not uh, turn the playbook back to 2000, you know, nine and 10, just, um, you know, we're going to do a lot of the same things, but um, I feel like I've had a, a front row seat as the game of basketball has changed the last 10 years. I've been fortunate to be the head coach of Tulane, uh, associate head coach of Minnesota, associate head coach of Vanderbilt. And we, we mentioned, you know, those guys before I, I, I enjoyed immensely working uh, with Richard Patino. Uh, I think he is, uh, he's terrific. And then you know, stack, as we talked about before, just sitting there and uh, he's uh, he's magic with that with that clipboard and ATOs and things like that. So I feel like I've had a front row seat to, to really uh, watch all the changes in, in the game. Uh, and we'll bring some of those here, uh, you know, to the Citadel and tweak kind of what we did before. But it's still going to be about developing players. That's just what we have to be. Um, but in order to develop them, you know, they, they have to be, you know, humble uh, enough to be coached every day. But yet, you uh, you know, confident enough that they're going out there and compete against uh, the best like that. You know, one of the things we were really able to fortunate and able to do last time I was here was we really upgraded the schedule. Um, and we had home games against Michigan State and Iowa and uh, Southern Cal with OJ Mayo and, and Clemson and South Carolina and things like that. I, I don't know if they'll agree to come back in here again, but it was a lot of fun then. But either way, we're going to challenge ourselves with the schedule. Uh, we're going to try to get some of the local you know, teams back on the schedule. Uh, but we're going to most of all, we're going to need some guys who, uh, you know, can uh, are, can see the, you know, and, and are willing to pay the price for, you know, maybe a future that uh, gives them some great opportunities by by going to a school like the Citadel, 
and knowing that it's not going to be the easy route, uh, whether it's in basketball or what they do every day in the Corps of Cadets, but it will pay off in a big way for them if they uh, if they'll just you know keep working hard and trying to get a little better each day. Absolutely. And it, it sounds like I love the, the vision of not just trying to get back to the glory days, so to speak, but actually moving forward. And it sounds like you have quite the plan in place and know what you're looking for. But I do have to ask, while, we're, while we are looking back to 2009, that time period, what was it like scheming against Steph Curry when he's at, at Davidson back in the SoCon in those days and selling out arenas wherever he'd go? Well, I'm going to tell you what, you know, and I'm not going to say that everybody that was involved with Siddle basketball back then knew that he would be as great as he's been, but I don't think any of us had any doubt he was, he was headed for greatness. Like he, he was terrific, but so was that, that entire Davidson team. And I think the whole nation saw that when they, when they made it to the NCAA tournament, but I mean, they're, they're every one of those guys that played and coach McKillop does a fabulous job. Everybody knows that now. Um, but we were really good. I thought we won 15 league games one year and, but we were played in the, in the era of Steph Curry and we did not win the league. And, uh, but I was fortunate. Um, I had a couple of guys, uh, Demetrius Nelson, uh, Cameron Wells was a, just a terrific player, all time leading scorer here in school history. Um, other guys along with them, Zach Urbanis, Austin, Don, John Brown. We, we had some really talented guys that not only bought into coming here, but they came in together and they stuck together and what they became. And that's going to be the challenge now with the portal and NIL. Can we bring a group like that in again and keep them together? Because those guys, you know, they had their ups and downs, but we had terrific uh, families. Uh, the, the parents were amazing and staying loyal to what we were trying to build. And everybody remembers the school record for wins. Um, they don't remember that same team set the school record for losses. We really did not, no joke. <laughs> we, but you know, so we went through the tough times. Um, but they didn't flinch. They didn't blink. They, they, they stayed to it and they just kept getting better and better and better. And they were really, they were a tough out. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned how that team really bought in and grew together over a, a couple of years together. And you talk about some with the NIL and the portal and just the way that's changed the college basketball landscape. So even though you're back in, in familiar, ter familiar territory at your alma mater, I would guess some things have changed with, what it was like coaching the Citadel in the, the mid 2000s versus now. And I know that it sounds like there's some grad programs available to do some civilian recruiting as well, but what changes have you noticed since being back just in, in coaching the Citadel? And, and, and we had, we actually had the grad program, uh, you know, back then we, we, we have a great graduate school. So, you know, we, we, we will take advantage of that uh, where we can, but it's still, um, the Citadel is still going to, we're still going to be who we are. And that's a, uh, you know, just a great uh, uh, educational institution, leadership, and, and teaching that is going to be at the forefront of what we do. Um, and so even if they do not go through the core cadets, uh, we, need, we need guys that represent a, a, a place like this and really understand and appreciate. Because um, if they don't, uh, you're never going to find that chemistry in the locker room and things like that with what uh, our guys, our other guys are going through in the core cadets. So um, you know, I still think the formula's the same. Um, and it's tough. Uh, you know, I, 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 when you get a job in the spring, I think because of all the things going on out there, there's some high school players that are under recruited, uh, in this class and obviously have, have had a harder time getting a scholarship maybe than would have other times, but, um, I don't know them as well. We haven't had the long-term relationship to know whether, um, I really think they're a great fit for our school. Um, and then, but then you can go, you know, maybe the, with a couple of graduate players who 
a um, little more experienced, but I'm not sure they're more talented than the young guys. Um, but also you don't know them as well either. And so, um, I, you know, this is, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to do it the right way. We're going to be, um, you know, intentional and, and deliberate. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to win next year though. So we're, we're trying, we're trying to figure it out and see how fast we can, um, you know, develop those relationships and really get a feel that these, uh, these guys are the right fit. Absolutely. It sounds like, yeah, even with the new, the new changes, just, uh, with the way college basketball has, uh, really gone under sort of a complete makeover in the last year and a half to two years with the NIL, with the portal, you're taking some of that and implementing it, but you still have that core vision of what that'll look like. And I found it interesting, just the ways in which it sounds like you you're, you've credited being on staff with Richard Pitino and coach Stackhouse with uh, the ways in which you've grown yourself as a coach. But I also wanted to ask what has been the, the biggest thing that you think you've learned since your last head coaching job at Tulane? Well, I'm someone that always kind of prided, you know, myself on, on, on really, um, you know, getting into the development of players, both on and off the court. And so yeah, I, I have another 12 years or so of relationships with players and each and every one is a little bit different. And it's like a puzzle to try to figure out how to, how to really unlock their potential, uh, not only on the court, like I said, but off the court as well. And so, um, just that experience of, of, of really, um, studying and, and, and doing a deep dive and trying to figure out how to best reach and teach, you know, each and every guy. And it's just another 12 years of, of, of guys coming through that you can draw upon those experiences and maybe, maybe help touch and, and reach the next one, you know, that's coming and, and help him get his full potential. Um, and that's what I, that's what I love about this. I, I feel like that's my job here is to support these guys, but I know I'm putting them in a place of all the places I've been. And, and this would probably sound strange to someone who's, doesn't understand the Citadel or a military school, but you know, my passion is developing players and I've never, I've always felt like I can do it better here than anywhere else. And it's, it's partly because of the military structure that we do have. Um, there's some things the military and people have studied because the military has done them so well for so long. Um, and, and, and we're not the military, we're a, we're a military school, you know, with that structure. And so, but time management, the good habits, the character development, the leadership development, all of those things, I think if you do it right, um, can help you develop a, a, one heck of a basketball player. And, um, you know, I look at all the places I've been, I, I think a lot about, you know, my, my, my former guys that I've worked with and I worry about them just like you would if they were your own children, things like that. Um, I always find myself worrying less about my Citadel guys than anybody else because I just felt like, I had confidence that I'd seen them go through some adversity and, and learn resiliency and grit and determination. And, um, you know, I, I just felt more confident. They were ready to face whatever came their way. And you know how it is. You know, we kind of over-exaggerate sometimes a, a basketball game or a season and what it is, but you do, you go through the emotional ups and downs every week. And, um, you know, can you stay the course and can you stick together? And uh, I think we, we bring the attributes of what this school teaches every day to all, everybody in the court cadets on the basketball court, we'll, we'll be just fine. It'll work its way out. Yeah. I could see how the Citadel would really help sort of facilitate some of that emotional acumen, that emotional strength that you need to survive just the ups and downs of the season. And, really assist you as you're developing these guys, both as basketball players and, and men off the court and everything. And 
you know, speaking of uh, emotional highs, emotional lows, I did have to ask, going back to your time at Tulane, I did hear a rumor from my colleague Jeff Goodman that he conspired against you to, to get you fired at halftime. What, what can you share about that story? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, uh, that was an interesting one. Um, yeah, the game was still going on. And uh, I was kind of informed that uh, I'd been let go. We were making a, we had a nice run. We got, uh, we got to the semifinals of the conference tournament and uh, went as far as uh, any Tulane hat team ever, you know, ever had. And I had some great young players. Uh, Melvin Frazier ended up getting drafted. He was a freshman. Uh, Cameron Reynolds played in the NBA. Uh, he was a sophomore. Um, we, uh, Cam hit a big shot. We were down in the game. I, I don't remember exactly how many points we were down, but we were down about seven with maybe five or six to go and um, kind of called timeout. The guy behind the bench gave me a hard time about why am I working so hard? I've already been fired and uh, kind of called timeout. Players kind of figured out what was going on. They realized I wasn't going to be their coach much longer. So let's go out here and have a little fun. And we came back and won that game and um, had a good time that night. And then we, we were right back at it the next day and, and moving on. So we, we, we won a couple games in that tournament, knocked off uh, Kelvin Sampson and his Houston team. And, um, you know, in, in Taco Fall in Central Florida and just had a, had a nice run. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, they jumped the gun a little bit there in, uh, on that one. That sounds like a pretty good way to stick it to Goodman, though, to be like, you said I was out of here and I'm, I'm going to win the game. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I told her, guys, we, we, we're going to become the madness. We are the madness. We're not. <laughs> they can't they can't they can't take us off the court in the middle of a game. At least right. I didn't think they could. But, uh, you know, they can they can do whatever they want to do. But they, uh, as long as we're as long as we stick together, who knows? We just keep playing basketball. Yeah, hopefully Goodman learned a little bit of a, a lesson in patience in that one. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you were forgiving towards him and uh, at least have maintained a friendship with him on that end. So, yeah. so All good. one final question I wanted to ask just as you look towards this upcoming year, I know uh, really over the past couple of years, the Citadel has been one of those teams that's defined itself with its, its high number of threes that it attempts. Um, but I know looking at your career, it seems like rebounding has been a big focus of every team you've been a coach of. I know you were pretty instrumental in developing guys like, Jordan, Jordan Murphy and like Daniel Oturu at Minnesota, what kind of stylistic changes do you anticipate unfolding this year? Like, will, will we still see the Citadel jacking up a bunch of threes or will there be maybe a, a slower pace and a, a bigger, a bigger focus on controlling the glass? Well, I'll take you back a little bit and give you a little, 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 even more history on, on all that. So the guy that I was recruited to play for, uh, Les Robinson, that I was recruited here and wanted to play for Les Robinson, was at the forefront of the, of the three-point shot. Yeah, I think when, um, and, and in Iowa, when I was coming out in the mid-80s, we had the three-point shot in high school. So I was, I was looking to go somewhere, and the Southern Conference was, I believe, the first league to have the three in college. It didn't officially become a rule until after, like, my freshman year, and I was thrilled when it, when it officially became the rule because I'd already been doing it. It's one of the reasons I wanted to play for Coach Robinson. Um, and we, so when I was a senior, we were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, and then I believe it was Glenn Reiser. Yeah, I think he went nuts in the tournament and passed us by for threes made. But uh, everybody was more efficient back then. But Rick Pitino, Les Robinson, they were they were really um, the ones that were, you know, advocating for the three. Um, and then, you know, NC State, Coach Robinson had fire and ice. Chris Scorciani, Roddy Monroe, Gugliotta. Like, we were still shooting the three. So my background, really, the three was a big part of it. And when I came here last time, we, we were doing a lot of the analytics stuff before other people, you know, were really doing it, you know, starting in 2006 and um, Austin, Don, Zach, Urbanus, all my guys were at the top of the three-point charts. Then came Coach Balkum, who did a great job here at the Citadel, 
but it was threes on steroids. And all my guys would call me all the time because all their records were getting broken, you know, by, by the last set of teams. So I say, I say all that to say like, you know, we're, we're going to try to be, you know, balanced on both ends of the floor, as you mentioned, the rebounding, the defense, but, but the three is still going to be a, a, a big part of, you know, what we do. I, I don't know that we're going to shoot them as much as, uh, uh, Coach Balkum did, but uh, he, had a, he had a wonderfully entertaining style and, like I said, did a great job. Uh, so I don't know if we'll shoot him as, as many as he did, but it'll be a big part of what we do. Thanks so much for your time, Ed. I'm sure uh, give, give the fans something to look forward to. I know the, the entire fan base of the Citadel is glad to have you back and looking forward to watching you all compete in the SOCON this year. So thanks again for your time. No, thank you. And, uh, you know, tell Goodman that I appreciate it. You actually let us finish what we started here. Right? We went all the way through. He didn't, he didn't try a preemptive strike like he's been known to do. <laughs> Hopefully he's learned. Hopefully he's learned. All right. Thank you. Thank you.